and welcome to Moonwise, a monthly podcast featuring conversations with women of power. I'm your host, Dorte Sophie Royal, and in this episode, I speak with Sarah Kate and Summer Ashley of the Cosmic Kitchen about herbs, alchemy, and food as medicine. The Cosmic Kitchen was born out of a friendship. Sarah and Summer met while sowing the seeds for a community garden. It was there that they discovered herbalism and the plant's incredible capacity to heal. Each harvest, they brought home an abundance of herbs and discovered new and old ways to incorporate them into their everyday cooking. Through this practice, they began to see their kitchen as a sanctuary, a place to nourish, heal, and make magic. Since then, Sarah and Summer have studied permaculture and herbalism extensively. They've apprenticed in kitchens like the famous Tassajara Zen Kitchen in California, and now they're deepening their work with Ayurveda. Their goal is to make kitchen herbalism accessible to all so that everyone can have a connection to the plants. Before we start, I want to let you know that Summer and Sarah have shared some very generous offers with our listeners that you can access on our Patreon page, patreon.com moonwise. There you'll find a discount code for 20% off the Cosmic Kitchen's wonderful cookbook, Be Radical, Eat Traditional, as well as a discount code for $20 off an herbal consultation. Both are good until June 5th, so go check them out at patreon.com slash moonwise. Hi, Summer and Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited to speak with you both today as herbalists and food educators who are really making um, herbalism accessible to people so that everyone can have a connection to plants. And I'm particularly captivated by your idea that each person can become their own best healer. And I wanted to talk with you both about your own healing journeys and how you came to this amazing work with Cosmic Kitchen. Yeah, so I'll, yeah, I'll go ahead and go first. And um, it's summer here. And, you know, I got really deeply into plants in college around the time that I was really having some health issues myself. And I had come at it from a different angle for Sarah and I um, were into food, the food justice movement and still are in making food accessible to folks. And, and so we helped the university um, build the foundations of its first community garden. And, and we started growing medicinal plants. Uh, we started growing, you know, foods that did well there in Florida. It was at the University of Central Florida. And around the same time, I had really bad health issues. And Sarah has a parallel story. I had been suffering from um, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome for years. And so I was trying a lot of different things on. I was eliminating foods, only eating fresh foods, organic foods, which weren't as available in that part of town. So we grew them there. And then I also um, stopped taking birth control and I lost my period for almost eight months and um, I went to different doctors and I said, you know, I'd really like to stay off the pill, um, but I'd also like to have my period. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a couple different doctors said, you should just get back on it. It'll re-regulate if you get back on the pill. And that felt really um, counterintuitive to me and 
not like what I wanted to do at the time, just for myself. I think everybody has their own journey and their own needs, but my intuition led me back into the garden. So I threw myself back into that work and um, the person who was running uh, the program who became a mentor to me was both and is both a botanist and an herbalist. And uh, her name is Tina Richards. And she said, we had all these different garden tasks that we would do each week. And one of them was to harvest at, at one time these tiny little berries from this beautiful tree. And I, you know, I knew a little bit about it. I knew it was for women's health, but I didn't know specifically. And one day I kind of broke down and told Tina what was going on for me. And she said, try, try Vitex berries, try Chase tree. And I took it, um, for about a month's time and my period came back. And it was after that, that I realized, um, how much plants could do and how, how many medicines are derived from plant medicines. And it just opened up this whole new world for me. And, you know, that hasn't been the only healing crisis and, um, healing experience I've had with plants in a difficult time. But I think it really set the stage for me uh, to become an herbalist and and to want to share with people that there are other ways of being and other ways of healing. Um, so that was my that was one of my big turning points. That's amazing that you happened to be harvesting that very plant that was the medicine you needed. Yeah, it's no accident there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that often happens. I mean. I'm sure you've heard that before, you know, the plant you need or the medicine you need is, is usually right outside your door. Um, that idea that the, you know, opposites of balance, you know, the, 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 you know, disease is right next to the, the cure. Um, uh, it, it's a, it's a, it's a common theory in herbalism and in healing. So it was a pretty cool experience. Very neat. It's funny you say that because I just moved to a new home and I'm looking outside my window and there's so much lemon balm growing here. And when you and I spoke, when we were getting ready for this interview, I mentioned to you both that lemon balm and I don't agree really. Like it does like, and so I'm, I'm sitting here looking at all this lemon balm. I'm like, Hmm, what's going on here? It seems that lemon balm is coming into my life for a reason. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Great in the tea. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe it's time for me to, to make friends. <laughs> I think so. How about you, Sarah? What brought you to this work? Yeah, it's funny. I, the more that we, you know, with writing the cookbook and the more interviews we do and the more we kind of are putting ourselves out there, I am still like in awe of how uh, interwoven Summer and I's healing stories are, like our journey to plants. We definitely um, got into herbal medicine at a similar time and kind of um, with a larger community definitely had this sort of awakening around plant medicine. So, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the highlights I think of our work is like, Oh, we know kind of how we both came to plants and we have a similar feeling around it, which I think is, um, one of the magic of magical properties of plants too, is that they pull certain people into your life. Like you just don't even, uh, even think about that a lot of times when you're healing, but you need that community support as well. And, um, the plants have their way of just, you know, choosing who's going to come in and who's going to help you. So, um, yeah, Summer and I um, both were working in the garden. And um, during that time when I was first kind of getting into plants and um, just getting into more of what 
was growing around me and seeing these plants that we had grown up with in Florida, but not really knowing what they do or how they grow or even how to grow food or where food comes from um, and the sense of of what's available and what grows well in our climate. Um, And I think for us, it was kind of unique because starting to grow food and learning more about plants and medicinal plants and learning more about the Materia Medica of Western herbalism, there are plants that we had never seen. There's a lot of plants that don't grow in Florida. Like, you know, we don't have fields of echinacea or even fields of calendula flowers growing like we do here in California. Um, or even like wild yarrow, just simple kind of humble plants and weed medicine. Um, so I think for us, it was even more special that we, um, got into healing together and also got to see it from a really different lens and herbalism and kind of like, I don't want to say scrappy herbalism, but I kind of feel like in some ways it's, you know, we weren't, it wasn't just like, oh, here's a bounty of all of the medicinal herbs that are in this book that are really easy to, to, to find information about. And, um, so we, we really came to love, uh, more obscure plants like Vitex and there's Spanish needle and go to cola is a weed that grows in Florida. That's medicinal. Um, holy basil was one of like our first plants that we grew and really came to love and appreciate and cook with. So, um, we've kind of come into herbalism through this, this side door, I guess, or more of like a subtropical tropical lens. Um, so yeah, in the garden, I, um, kind of was going through my own healing journey the same time summer was going through her, um, healing journey and situation. And for me, I think what has come up around it and kind of reflecting on, um, that time was just being in college. Um, I think young people don't have access. Maybe now it's different. I think, you know, 10 years ago it was really different, especially in Florida, but you know, you really don't have access to learning how to cook meals for yourself or learning what healthy food is, or even like no one, especially at our school was, you know, talking about like intuitive eating or listening to your body or tapping in like, um, you know, it was just a really different mindset. So I think a lot of the healing um, that I experienced and I'm sure some were also experienced was kind of just coming more into that and, and really trusting in intuition and trusting in what our bodies are doing. Um, and I think just being in college, working your butt off, trying to get good grades and, you know, takes a toll on your adrenal system. It takes a toll on your immune system, especially if you're not eating right. And during that time I was swaying between veganism and vegetarianism. I was really passionate about animal rights and I wasn't doing it the right way. I think in order to do it in a really amazing way, it takes resources, it takes time and it takes money, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, but, um, yeah, so I just felt really depleted. And for my body type, I slowly came to find that I really need animal protein, um, and sourcing sustainable meat, local meat, things like that. Um, And throughout that time, I just ended up being so depleted and having such little energy and just kind of, I felt like my hormones were out of whack. Like everything was just like kind of shutting down (laughs) in a certain sense. And, um, I was diagnosed with chronic fatigue and I don't know if I necessarily even still had a true form of that. I think it's such a blanket term similar to how Summer was diagnosed with IBS. It's like, we don't really know what this is, but something's going on. So we have to give it a name. 
And um, when I sought treatment for that, I was seeing a naturopathic doctor and they put me on, you know, this whole like blend of all these supplements and pills and things. And to me, intuitively, I was like, I am so I'm stressed, like thinking about this protocol, like I'm fatigued looking at all these pills, like this doesn't feel like healing to me. Um, it just intuitively, I was like, this isn't how I'm going to get better. I just, I just couldn't see it. I felt like I needed more of a foundation of foods. And so during that time I contacted our mentor and our friend, Emily Ruff, who runs the Florida school of holistic living where we were studying. And I was like, I really need help. Like I need to get a grip on this. Like I saw a doctor, this is what's going on. And so she came over to the house and let's work out a routine. Let's, let's get a protocol for you. So she was kind of like nudging me. It's like, you're studying all of this, you're into it, but you haven't had to really turn to the plants because you really needed something. You know, it was like, um, the first time I had really needed to work for the plants or work with the plants and, um, was really seeking them out as, as helpers more so than like just for food or fun or things like that. Um, and so she, along with her mentor, Rosemary Gladstar, really inspired the way that we cook and the way that we prepare food and really thinking about wellness and health and nourishment on that everyday level. So she was like, first of all, let's do some adaptogenic Zoom balls, you know, like seed and nut butter balls that have adaptogenic powders. That's going to be amazing for the adrenals. It's going to be great for your immune system. Um, let's just like get that foundation going, you know, introduce meat back into your diet. Um, let's like supercharge all of your meals and salad dressings and anything you kind of like spike with herbs. So that's how the cosmic kitchen really started was, um, one as a way to kind of take what we had from the garden and use it, but also because we needed to infuse our food with medicine that we needed. Um, and for me with chronic fatigue, I felt like there was this big, separation for a time there of, you know, when you don't have energy, when you're having a really bad day on energy where you can't even get out of your bed and you're just like an emotional wreck, um, it's really hard to nourish yourself. But for me, when I knew that I had this like beautiful turmeric, tahini, ashwagandha, like salad dressing, I could put on something. It just made me feel so much more nourished and it made me feel like I could appreciate my food more. So I went and I took that extra step rather than feeling like, Oh, I just can't do anything. Um, so that for me, and I know for summer too, really just changed the way that we started eating, the way we approach food. Um, yeah, our friends started to take notice on that and they loved it and they thought it was like a little weird, but then also tasted really good. So they wanted the recipes and, um, yeah, I think, I think, for us, that's a big message, you know, kind of how summer touched on it's, um, seeing the plants in that sense of, you know, what works for you and, um, just seeing it as that everyday sort of act of self care, however that, that works for you and everyone is going to be different. So, um, I think in our practice, adaptogens have been a huge backbone and just, you know, keeping a foundation of wellness, really supporting all the stressors that we have in our life. Um, really nourishing our our endocrine systems and our immune systems. So um, for me, adaptogens definitely changed my life, and I was able to, from you know, cooking most of my meals at home and trying to be more mindful about what I was eating and infusing herbs, um, I was well enough to go work on a farm, and you know, from there have many more 
plant experiences and things like that. So I felt like the plants kind of opened the door uh, for me once I started using them in that way. So Amazing. Well, for our listeners who may not know what adaptogens are, could you tell us briefly what are adaptogens? Yeah. Um, adaptogens are a group of plants. There are many um, that seem to have kind of this total effect on the body where they can regulate different systems. Mostly they regulate the immune system, um, the endocrine system. So you're looking at like hormones, you're looking at which are things like adrenal glands, you know, it's kind of just bringing your body into a homeostasis. So, um, for some people, um, these like immunomodulating, um, properties mean that these plants are helping to kind of bring something down. Whereas for other people, it's helping to build something up. Um, and adaptogens all have their own unique, um, properties to them. Certain adaptogens work on one body system in one way more so than something else will. And of course that's going to happen because their flavors are different. They grow in different places. They have different chemical constituents, um, but ultimately with all adaptogens, you know, they're non-toxic, um, meaning that they can be used every day or over a certain period of time. Most of the time they're taken in smaller doses throughout the day. So you're getting this constant kind of, um, uh, medicinal value to your day once you're taking them. And, um, a lot of folks, you know, in our practice and that we've seen, it's, you know, you're taking at least three months to work with a certain adaptogen or a blend of adaptogens because it takes your body some time to come back into balance. Like if you've been out of whack for, you know, two or three years, maybe longer, like your body's going to take some time to reestablish that. So, um, yeah, a lot of the adaptogens that you hear about now, some of the big adaptogen names are, um, ashwagandha, Um, So a lot of the Ayurvedic, actually, um, adaptogenic herbs, Tulsi or holy basil, Shatavari, um, there's Eleuthero, also known as Siberian ginseng, Reishi is an adaptogen. There's just a lot of of plants that that are really becoming popular because of those sort of uh, overall health uh, properties here. It's really helping with the stress. I think that's why people are coming to them because it helps to modulate that a lot. Um, and traditionally, a lot of adaptogens are used in food. So uh, for us, that's great because that's how we started infusing medicine and, and using adaptogens in that way. So traditionally, you would see, you know, astragalus sticks being um, put into soups or stews or broths or into like a rice porridge. Um you know, there's different ways of infusing medicines. So um, very much interlinked within food too. So I want to talk with you about that infusing food with these medicinal herbs, because that's really your approach in making this easier for people to work with. And I'm really curious about your cookbook. Is this the first cookbook that you've done? And, and what's your inspiration and approach for that? Yeah, this is our. Uh, this is actually our second cookbook. Uh, the first one um, is, um, I guess, more of a zine. It's like somewhere between a book and a zine. It's nice <laughs> zine and not quite a cookbook, um, but it's uh, we, we're really proud of it. It's called um, "Be Radical, Eat Traditional," and it's that idea of infusing herbs, uh, traditional food preparation practices uh, into your everyday and rituals as well. Seeing it as a ritual and, a, and making your kitchen a sacred 
sacred space where you can see it as a medicine making space. Um, and so, yeah, that one was originally just um, supposed to go along with our classes that we taught. And Sarah and I started to put it together and we just became really passionate and it became a bigger project than we anticipated. It took us about a year. And now that one's been out, I want to say like two or three years now. I, I think two years, probably two and a half. And so, yeah. And, you know, when we first started cooking together, it was, it was interesting because we really loved, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Tassahara Zen Center's cookbooks. Um, they're beautiful. They're really beautiful vegetarian classic cookbooks and they have bread books. And um, Sarah ended up actually um, working in the kitchen for a bit at Tassahara and, and studying at Green Gulch Zen Center um, in Marin. And so it was kind of serendipitous. Uh, one of the editors, jury, uh, who we love, our editor, Jury, um, at at Roost, which is part of Shambhala, which is the publishers for Tassahara. Um, they found us and they approached us and they said, "Hey, do you want to do a do you want to do a second book?" And we were like, "Oh my gosh, we can't believe!" Like one of the first books we were very inspired by in our kitchen. You know, the same publishers, their iconic independent publishers. Um, approached us. And so we were like, you know, we weren't really thinking about doing another book at this time, but it feels too right to not go along with it. And so, yeah, we're just getting started. And this one is, um, you know, we have working titles, but it's going to incorporate more of the elemental piece. Um, so every traditional culture, uh, medicine culture ha is based in elemental theory. Um, so the five elements, and maybe those are different between between the different medicine theories. Um, but for instance, you know, our Ayurveda is um, earth, wind, fire, water. Did I say earth? Yeah, ether is the other one. Yeah, and so those five elements are incorporated into all the medicines that we make, our own personal constitutions, and the seasons. And so we're kind of in this new cookbook going to take an interdisciplinary approach, showing showing folks how these elements are incorporated in, in both ourselves, the seasons, and and the the fuel that we use, whether those are herbs or, or food. Wow, that's so exciting. I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, we're really excited too. I think that was, you know, we've been studying for, for um, almost a decade now, and, and most of that has been, uh, you know, Western herbalism, and we love it. But when we started to get more into the elements in the past few years in Ayurveda, it really kind of made everything click into a circle for us. And it became easier to understand, okay, yes, all of these adaptogens are great in our foods, but which ones are more warming um, and which ones are more cooling, which ones are more moistening when you're running dry or which ones, you know, are extra hot when you need to, to warm up and maybe dry up. So, you know, learning how each, you know, being and each, um, imbalance in your body has these, these, these energetic pieces. And it's funny because when we start to talk to people about it, it's so intuitive, you know, you think about, you know, when somebody's running hot, they're hot headed. I mean, it's just, it's already in the language. Um, but it just takes the extra step to tune into it. So it's a fun thing to teach too, because people realize it's right there. Uh, you know, in the back of their head. Yeah. That brings me to something I wanted to, to talk with you both about is 
this idea that plants aren't one size fits all. And just because something is touted as a superfood or, you know, a super blend of herbs or some kind of fancy expensive medicine doesn't mean that it's necessarily right for you or where you are in your life cycle or the season or, um, even the time of day, like really starting to understand that, that we all go through phases and there are certain medicines and rituals and practices that are right for that time, but maybe not right for all times and all people. Yeah. I think something that I've kind of been marinating on lately too, in the same realm is, you know, there's this big surge of like a wellness renaissance, which is amazing to see and experience. And it's like, yes, look at everybody. We're doing it. <laughs> you know, like, um, and I think for our culture, um, whereas other cultures still have a, a, a foundation of wellness and traditional practices that hasn't left or hasn't left fully, um, in America, it seems like we're in the West, it seems like we're really grabbing for almost like anything. It's like, we don't have, no one taught us. There isn't the culture around having the space to know what our bodies need or to find the time to listen to that. So we're kind of coming at herbalism and from, from a certain view or, you know, from one perspective, I'm seeing a lot of it's coming through like consumerism. So we're we're buying these herbs that are being touted to be the panacea for everything. And they're, you know, we're not really taking into account necessarily what our body needs versus what someone else else's body needs or what that particular herb is going to do. Um, so I think we're putting a lot of trust into really great companies. There's amazing companies out there doing amazing, um, creating amazing products and really honoring the plants. But I think it's, you know, it takes us in this realm, at least of um, consuming a plant medicine to really do the research, to really work with someone, to um, really investigate, like be a part of your healing, because that's so much of what wellness really is about too. And, you know, from our own journeys and many others that we know, it, it is that like, I personally feel like it's life saying, Hey, wake up. Something's going on. You can't not listen to this. It's a very emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, uh, situation. It's a, it's, it's that full experience. And, um, luckily we have mother earth to really provide us with these amazing plants that are their own beings and they have their own stories and things that they want to share with us. And if we really listen to that and we, um, can be a part of that healing experience. I think it's going to be such a, a much more rich experience and also like a deeper healing. Um, and you know, that's not to say that we don't go through, you know, you're just talking about different herbs for different times and things like that. And our bodies go through so many different changes. So what might've worked in one healing scenario might not work in the next one. And our bodies are asking for something else. So again, just really being aware of that and and practicing what that feels like to tap in and to, and to sit with yourself and to, um, listen to the subtleties of the plants and of your body is, is going to be really important in that process. I love what you're saying about listening and that the plants, you know, also have things to share. My herbal medicine teacher, Cammie McBride would always say that the plants are evolving with us or, you know, the, the same way that humans are evolving and learning and growing. And so, I love this idea of listening. And I also, sometimes I think that, um, 
really taking the time to create a bond or a relationship with one plant could almost be better than just like delving into all kinds of potions and pills and, and kind of chasing health. Um, because I think that, uh, seems to me at least that, that one plant could really a deep relationship with one plant or one ritual or one preparation could really do, do a lot for us. You know, even just taking one herb a week when you're just getting into herbalism or even one a month so you can really understand what it looks and feels and tastes like and and does um, in different foods or preparations, um, it can really drive the medicine deeper and the learning deeper. And, and that knowledge that you learn in that time can last you a lifetime, you know, where you just really know that one plant. Or maybe you're just growing, growing one plant or something, or focusing on that one plant on your windowsill. Um, uh, the connection with plants when you work with that, them in that way, in my experience, um, becomes becomes really clear. And I've I've discovered. Um, I remember when I first got into herbalism, I was so overwhelmed and. And I thought, how will I ever know all these plants? And then it was so liberating when I realized I don't need to. If I've got a, you know, a few good friends, you know, I'm in a good place. And 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 that's and that's the same in life, right? So it makes sense that it's the same with plants. You know, it's those deeper connections that are more fruitful. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Yeah. Well, I want to um, bring us back to the food because. Um, I remember when we were prepping for this conversation, you both mentioned how important it is to eat organic produce instead of just expecting medicines and herbs to cure us. So can you talk a little bit about, yeah, that importance of like a daily health practice as opposed to just like being in crisis and like running to the herbals and be like, give me something to cure me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think, you know, for us, that's definitely how a lot of our practice formed too, was like learning how to cook. And, um, I just cringe when people in my life or people I meet are like, Oh, cooking is so like, it's too much work or like, there's no desire for it. But I'm like, we all love to eat. Right. I mean, I don't think there's anyone that's like "Mm, food, not, I don't really, there's nothing I really enjoy eating. So, um, I think it's one of the most, uh, fulfilling human experiences to know how to prepare food, not just even for yourself, but for other people. It's like our deepest act of love as humans is to nourish each other and to, and to take the earth's bounty and, and have this alchemical practice of, you know, infusing water or heat or, um, light, whatever, you know, when you're preparing food and and creating something that not only tastes delicious, but is also um, really nourishing to our body. Um, so I, I hope that we can inspire folks to feel less overwhelmed about cooking and feel like if they know a couple of simple practices that there's, you know, just an unlimited amount of creativity that can go into preparing something and it actually doesn't have to take a lot of time. Um, and yeah, I think on the organic topic, um, for us in Florida, when we were growing up there, it was really hard to find organic food. I think now things are a little different, but it's still, you know, it's not California. It's not, um, the same. We don't have the same climate. Um, we don't have the same, um, you know, there's not the same demand there. Um, so, for us, that was something that we were passionate about. You know, if we couldn't find organic food, we were growing a lot of food and, um, 
I think that connection too, with really growing your food or seeking out things that, you know, are supporting the person that's growing it, the soil, the earth, um, the community that it's being grown in just has a higher frequency of, of nourishment. And you, you know, really can't get that from something that has been grown as a monocrop on a farm on the side of the road and, you know, is not paying their workers a living wage and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, so that's definitely something that we've been passionate about for a long time. As Summer was kind of talking about in the beginning about food justice and, and looking at, you know, where our food's coming from and, and who it's feeding and how we're feeding into that system too. Um, so I think, you know, even in our, our practice and in our teachings, we love just sharing about, you know, simple things that you can grow or um, kind of where to access certain foods um, and also, you know, taking it a step back in the kitchen. Whereas we're really, you know, seeing that space as a healing um, space, we're seeing it as a sanctuary, but also saying like, okay, you don't have to create an elaborate four course meal to be nourished, like simply soaking your grains and beans can do a lot. It also helps with the cook time. Um, if you know how to make a couple sauces or a couple pestos, like you're set, um, as far as like flavor goes. And what's great about that too, is kind of, you know, if you've got your base, you've got your grains, your protein, your greens, your veggies, that sort of thing. And, you know, say you're a busy mom or, um, you've got a lot of people in your family, you can just kind of take the sauces and make that what everyone's putting on their meal. So everyone can kind of have their own, um, special sauce that they have rather than having to reinvent this entire dinner. So everyone gets what they want. It's like, okay, you can change the flavor of it with these herbs that also happen to be medicinal and those are going to affect you on a certain level. So that's, that's a great point because I have a two-year-old and the way that I get him to eat things like broccoli is by dipping them in sauces and sprinkling things on them because then it becomes really fun. And so I'm always happy because I'm like, okay, we're getting those veggies in, but sometimes you just need a little, a little flair or something to make sauce. it. Yeah. A little sauce, which, which actually brings me to my, my other question or, or something that I, I love, especially about cosmic kitchen is the beauty that's infused in your food. And I've noticed that in a lot of your recipes and in your photos on Instagram that you include edible flowers and just like a beautiful, colorful presentation. So tell me about, yeah, the role of beauty in your food and, and color. And do you feel that that is also medicine? Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's a big thing. I mean, um, like Sarah touched on, you know, when you're not feeling well, making something feel luxurious is so nourishing and yeah, that nourishment and that healing doesn't just stop on the plate. You know, that's why I think a lot of people get, um, called into different parts of the plants. Like some folks really feel drawn by their smell or maybe skincare products. Um, you know, I think that the plants have a way of making us feel beautiful. And so when you can see them on a plate, you know, fresh, I think it totally changes things and totally changes the energy of the food. Um, and I think the flowers and, and, and the herbs, the fresh herbs are just, um, just a re reminder of, um, how sacred the meal is too, you know? So if you can, if you do have access to that, 
you know, why not? And, you know, a lot of these things are available, um, yeah, at farmer's markets or maybe even if you can get organic bouquets and you can identify the species, you know. But we're really lucky that, you know, Sarah Sarah lives in a, a rural area and she has a lot of access to beautiful, beautiful biodynamic and organic food. And I have a lot here in Oakland too, but I have a little I have a little garden, but it still gives me enough to be able to put some sprinkled flowers <laughs> in dishes. So yeah, I think that that's um, core to, especially if you're not feeling well, making yourself feel special and, and, and feel grounded and um, feel uh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And you have an excellent guide to edible flowers on your website that our listeners should definitely check out as well as uh, a great guide to buying herbs for people who are wondering, you know, okay, I, you know, I don't grow my own herbs. Where can I find high quality organic herbs? Um, There's some really great tips in that blog post that you did. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Those we've been trying to do more of those guides lately because we've realized, you know, those are some of the top questions is, you know, what edible flowers can I eat or what herbs can I take? And, um, you know, not all, there's a lot of great companies, but not all companies are created equal. Like not all are doing great things for their supplier communities. Not all of them are, are making sure the herbs and the formulas actually work. And there's, there's a, it's a big deal. And so, um, there's a lot of good stuff out there, but hopefully that helps folks navigate it. I'm curious, you know, if for people who are new to your work, is there anything that that is really pressing on your minds right now that you're feeling really passionate about or that you really want people to know about your work or food as medicine in general? Yeah, I feel like we kind of touched on this before, too, with the elemental piece. I think um, taking the Ayurvedic course from Deanna Batdorf in Sebastopol recently really solidified a lot of the questions that we had and a lot of the intuitive pings that we had on like, okay, even when you've studied herbalism and even when you've been practicing, you know, how do you, how do you navigate the breadth of herbs that kind of do similar things? How do you know, how do you find your medicine? How do you make that match? It's kind of like, you know, finding a date or something. It's like, it either feels really good or it doesn't feel good. Um, (laughs) So I think plants are totally like that. And especially in homeopathy, there's so much more of that, um, that's already being, you know, it's not, it's, it's right there in your face. Kind of like, if you don't the right remedy, you will see the shift. And we're in herbalism. I feel like it takes a little bit more time to kind of come to that understanding. Um, since there just are so many plants and and every region has their own set of plants too. So you're going to have, uh, more medicinal plants in the region that you're in versus, um, you know, if you're getting something from somewhere else or like, I mean, I guess I just mean in the sense of like what's growing around you, like it's that fresh, you're going to get that, that freshness and that vitality. Um, so I think, you know, for us and what we've been teaching over the past year, year and a half now is really wanting to empower people with the elemental um, process and what the elemental theory is and how to look at herbs from an elemental perspective, how to look at your food from an elemental perspective, um, place, um, how to look at your own body in that sense, like what's coming up, what's presenting itself acutely, what's been there chronically. Um, and you can really get so much information just from those five elements or those four kind of qualities of cold, wet, hot, dry. 
Whereas, you know, you don't, it's like a tether almost to understanding what to use rather than feeling like, oh, should I be using ginger or cinnamon or ashwagandha? Or, you know, it's like you can just kind of spin out. And I think the more you narrow it down and the more you can also practice with those plants that fall into what's going to be balancing to what you have going on is going to have you um, in a more empowered state rather than feeling like, oh, I don't know anything. This herb didn't work or I didn't give it enough time because I didn't see anything. So, um, yeah, for us, that's like kind of number one right now is how do we break it all down to an elemental level so that you're really, um, you know, accessing things that are going to work for you and that aren't going to be aggravating you just because there's some cool trend that you saw on Instagram or something of like, whatever the hot herb is. So you're like, actually, this is the total opposite of what I need. So, um, again, just like trusting that intuition and the elements can really help us do that. That makes a lot of sense. And just for listeners who maybe uh, an example might help with this. Um, I have a family member who, whose digestion kind of runs really hot and irritated. And so for her, um, ginger and spices and curries are very, um, irritating to her system and like, don't necessarily help balance her out. Whereas for me, um, my system tends to be a little like cold and sluggish. So for me, like chai and like spicy things just like really help like invigorate my body and make me feel warm and like vital. So that's just, you know, we're relatives. We have very similar makeup, but our kind of digestion or like inner, inner way of processing food, I guess, or life in general is, is different. And that's kind of like that elemental Ayurvedic way of looking at it. Totally. Yeah. That's a great example. I'm curious if there, and if there's a recipe that you are particularly excited about right now, I'm really into chia right now. Uh, (laughs) And I think summer is too, since it's, you know, right now it's kind of been fluctuating from cold and gray to super hot and dry. And on the super hot days, I feel really dry. So chia is great to help hydrate. You know, it's something that you can take on the go. It's really versatile too. Um, So doing kind of like a chia seed, aloe, um, minty, like grapefruity or hibiscus, some kind of like refreshing little like chia fresca has been something that we've been doing. And I just saw Summer post some like strawberry lemon balm something, which might be fun for you too to try the lemon balm. balm. I don't know. (laughs) For sure. I've been getting like flats of strawberries recently because they're really reasonable um, right now um, at the farmer's market. And so yesterday I just whipped up um, some in a blender with rose water and a little lemon juice. It was like inspired from a Bon Appetit uh, magazine entry. And um, I, instead, I, instead of um, adding extra mint, I added just a little bit of mint and mostly lemon balm blended up in there mm. and just cooled it off and then had it yesterday. It was pretty, pretty hot yesterday here, actually, which was really nice. Um, so it was really refreshing and really calming. So that was a nice uh, duo. Ooh, <laughs> I think I ball. might, uh, yeah, I think I might write that post up and give credit to Bon Appetit. Cool. Those both sound like really lovely drinks and you're inspiring me to, to, to dip a toe into the world of lemon balm and <laughs> embrace it in my life. Cause here it is growing outside my door, just waiting. <laughs> oh, you won't regret it. There's also a yogurt lemon balm. 
uh, dip that you can enjoy with the fam. <laughs> really? Yeah, on this site. I'll send that to you. Okay, yeah. Get my son to dip his broccoli in, in the dip. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else um, either of you would like to touch on before we wrap up? I just wanted to maybe remind folks or let people know that we're going to be at Spirit Weaver's moon session this year. So if you're planning on going, I know you're going. We're so excited. (laughs) You get to hang out on the beautiful land. Um, Yeah, we'll be there. We're going to be teaching our elemental eating class. Um, I think in the mornings or something, we'll, you know, you figure all that out when you get there, but um, yeah, we'll be there. So come say hi. If you've heard us or, um, want to talk to us about anything we'd be so happy to meet you yeah and then I mean I would say um, we have our individual consultations up on the website and we're offering courses every other month so you can look out for that if you follow us on Instagram or sign up for our newsletter we announce those um, so we usually about every other month have something around elemental eating. So you can learn how to do this practice yourself and it becomes easier and, and we'll be there as guides. So that's a wonderful online course. Um, actually half our students are international, so you really can do it from anywhere. Um, and then also, um, we have retreats, so you can sign up for the email for those as well. And, uh, I guess the last thing I just want to say is, um, yeah, this idea of you are your own healer. I think, um, I just, that's something that's really solidified in the past couple years for me. It's like, I work with a whole team of folks, right? Like I have an acupuncturist, I have a gynecologist, I have a doctor, I have a naturopath and there is a team, but my internal guides connected me to those folks and they can only help as much as I let them know what's going on with me. And so that idea of, and and you're actually giving yourself the most medicine than anybody else. Every day you're having your food, every day you're picking your herbs or your teas that you're making. And so empowering folks to just view themselves as their own healer is, is so big for me because I feel like until I realized that I had the power to change my health and my destiny, um, uh, I wasn't able to heal. And so, yeah, I hope that, that this, uh, podcast inspires people to, um, take that into their own hands and make it fun. Yeah. Like adorn it with flowers and find your own herbs outside your door and, and hopefully, um, infuse a bit of magic in it too. I love that. The alchemy. The alchemy of (laughs) herbs. Beautiful. And what a perfect way to work with the, with the magic of herbs, um, by putting it in our food. And like you said, sticking it in lemonade or making a sprinkle or making a sauce. So I really encourage everyone to go visit cosmickitchen.com to check out all of the beautiful work, the photos, the recipes. And I wondered, um, when, do you know when your cookbook is coming out? 2020. Ooh, okay. Be a minute. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Summer and Sarah. It's so wonderful to talk with you both. And I'm really inspired to, to cook a little more and to incorporate some more herbs into my food. So thank you for that. Thanks so much for having us. It's been really fun. Thank you for listening to the show. 
You can find more information about the Cosmic Kitchen on our website at moontent.co. If you enjoyed the show today, please rate us on iTunes and leave a review. Thanks to everyone who shares episodes with friends and family members or on social media. Your feedback means so much, and I love seeing how our community grows organically through word of mouth. Especially this summer, when people are taking road trips and traveling, it's a great time to recommend and try new podcasts. In fact, I'd love to hear your favorite podcasts of the moment, and I'll share a blog post with my favorites plus pics from our community soon. I want to give a shout out to Rachel M. Purser, our latest Patreon subscriber. Thank you for joining us over on Patreon, Rachel. The Moonwise Patreon page has bonus audio, meditations, playlists, and other treats related to each episode. This month, there are some very generous discount codes for the Cosmic Kitchen Cookbook and $20 off an herbal consultation with Summer and Sarah of the Cosmic Kitchen. And if you haven't checked it out yet, there's a special earth root meditation that I uploaded there to help you stay grounded amid all of the changes this month. You can access all of that at patreon.com slash moonwise. Before we go, I want to share a quick reminder that the Moon Tent Co. shop is now open online. I've created a line of four teas made with nutrient-rich herbs to help you celebrate your cycle. The herbs I chose are known to support women's health and are especially supportive of hormone balance throughout the month. You could also order Release Tincture, which I make especially for cramp relief during that time of the month. It's a wonderful ally for tuning into your natural rhythm and inner wisdom, and it's made with organic herbs in small batches on the new moon and harvested on the full moon to amplify its balancing properties. Find all those products on moontent.co. Our theme music is Butterflies March by Sophie Cooper from her album Rewilding, available on Bandcamp. See you next time.